0: Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com I've got some glorious news this morning glorious what a great glorious way to start the day with some news. glorious news glorious news this is news that we have been begging for for a while Jacob the Steelers are no longer Are you ready for this? Are you ready, for, ready. This? Yeah, ready mean, for this? I'm ready. Yeah, I mean you're Sit vo- down. Vo- you're actually, actually, you know what? Sit down. I actually, sit down. it's going to Sit down. Sit down for a second. You no, know, you know what? Stand up. No, I want you to stand up. No, I changed my mind. Shut your I want to me. you to sit back down.
1: Shut your mouth when you're talking to me.
0: The Pittsburgh Steelers are no longer the thirty second ranked team in rushing offense in the <laughs> NFL. Yeah. Woo They're number thirty one.
1: <laughs> I mean, I expect that number to continue to go down as the season goes on, but I'm uh, if I had to take a stab at who is thirty two. You're never gonna get it. Uh is it New England? Nope. Then I don't Same remember. division though.
0: Is it Miami? It is the Miami Dolphins. Which
1: is weird because Miles. Gaston. By an average of
0: two to three yards per Myles game. Miles
1: Gaston just had a huge day on Sunday, but I guess that wasn't all on the ground.
0: Not a big enough day because no. Mr. Najee Harris had his best day of his career. I am Tom Offerman. That is Jacob Recht, and this is the Steelers standard. The Steelers, we've said it so many times. They had a an order from on high from Art Rooney II this offseason. We need to run the football better. We need to get back to running the football well as the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's been an abysmal start to that so far this season. They've been in dead last pretty much the entirety of the NFL season as far as the rushing offense is concerned. That is not the case anymore as they have inched their way up to the number 31st spot. And you just see improvement after improvement after improvement week after week after week. I think we started to see the Turner corned... the. Corner turned, not the turner corned.
1: Not, although we are (laughs)
0: beginning to turn a corn over here. We saw that corner turned slightly in the Green Bay Packers game. You saw a little more push. You saw Najee get a little more extra room to operate with. But then they fully turned that corner and started to sprint down the sidewalk against the Denver Broncos, a pretty stout run defense in their own accord. Pittsburgh put up, I think it was, 135 yards total on the ground in that game. Najee Harris doing the heavy lifting with 120-plus yards on the ground. I mean, it's exactly what they need to become a successful team in 2021. Being a successful team in 2021 is now back on the table after your big win against the Denver Broncos. Absolutely. This is the blueprint moving forward. Keep climbing. That should be the goal. Keep climbing the rushing uh, offense charge. I want to be at 30, 30th or 29th next week. Then I want to be at 27th or 26th. Then I want to be at twenty. Not even that. You know, even I just want to slowly keep teams, climbing my way back teams up. teams
1: that you're in the neighborhood of currently... You have the chance to jump about three to four teams per week, not one to two. Whatever.
0: I don't care if it's one to two. I don't care if it's 15 to 20. Just just keep keep climbing, baby. I agree. Just keep climbing. And
1: it starts this week because Seattle's run defense is the worst in the NFL. Is the Uh, worst. Second worst. One of the worst. Second worst. They're 31st. I think overall their defense is the worst currently. Total
0: yardage-wise, they're the worst. But
1: they are still bottom of the barrel when it comes to run defense. They give up. I have the
0: number for you. I know you do. You've got about an an entire cycle a PDF full of, informa- of in- information here. over there but listen that defense gives up 145.2 yards on the ground 31st in the NFL.
1: Do you expect Najee Harris to be over
0: or under? Oh. Well, here's here's the question, Tom. Oh, he's going. You over. want him to
1: be over but 150? Ex- Is 150
0: the number you're saying? We'll, we'll stay at 150. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's not going to be over 150 on the ground. You
1: want him to be over 150. You do, but I wouldn't take that. He got that. to what? 120 I'll, against
0: Denver with Von Miller? I'll take over 100, Alex Trebek, for. A thousand million dollars though That's an easy bet for it me It should be Yeah You better hope so I think it will be too I This is the weakest run defense The Steelers have faced all year long mm-hmm. they faced some pretty decent ones too I mean the Bills are pretty solid At run defense Bills
1: Now we know how legitimate Their defense maybe was Maybe the best in is, football Maybe the best in football Maybe
0: Uh Max Crosby led the Raiders. And eh, whatever. The Steelers should have probably done more damage against the Raiders and Bengals. The Bengals
1: definitely have a stout run defense. But and the, Denver should have had
0: one. It's just with the Raiders and the Bengals game, the Steelers were kind of shooting themselves in the foot, yeah, getting the right. They game weren't going. they weren't going with the run. No. And that changed against Green Bay.
1: This is this is, I would say, a combination of the best defense to run against and at this point in the season. The most heavily you've relied on the run so far so that those two factors should add up to at least 100 yards we're hoping in the neighborhood somewhere of 150 i don't know about
0: heavily relying on the run i think at the, least the at better least term is the run is more successful you're now. you're warming up to the run you're no longer giving
1: Najee Harris the ball only 13 times per game
0: well i don't know if that was really the plan ever I think that was an accident that that happened. But you're doing it more effectively now. That's the biggest pro- part of it, is that you're actually seeing some some results as far as running the football is concerned. And now, yeah, you get the easiest run defense that you're going to face potentially all season. Uh, I, in fact, I did the Advanced Scout podcast last night f- with Matt Williamson, and you know we were not really tiptoeing around the fact that Seattle probably is the worst defense in the NFL that the Steelers are facing up mm-hmm. against. And it's not like they're amazing at pass defense either. They give up 296 yards through the air, but regardless of the fact that you can get them through the air or get them through the ground, the Steelers need to focus on getting them on the ground. Uh, that's yes a number one uh, grade A plan has to be run, 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 run. I think that 23 to 25 carries is the minimum for Najee Harris in this football game. I would not hate seeing him touch close to 30 carries on the ground. No, in this not one. at all. I, I just think that you started to get some swagger going with him. You started to get some swagger going with your offensive line. You showed great push off the ball against a really good run defense against Denver. You bullied a good run defense that Denver has. So bully an even weaker opponent this week against the Seahawks.
1: And this isn't even a weaker opponent. This is a night and day opponent when you can defensively. Yeah, when you compare Denver to Seattle, this is your opportunity to not only. I know we're focusing on the running game here, but this is an opportunity for your offense to have the biggest game, the biggest of game of the season so far. And what what a turnaround this game has become on the Steelers' schedule after the one and three start. You were thinking. Well, they could possibly win against Denver to get them two and three, but then they would most likely lose against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Not so fast, my four. friend. No, not so fast. And then maybe you 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 add to your your schedule with stacked wins against the Bears and the Lions. But no, you have a chance to go into the Chargers game on a four game win streak. The, the Steelers are, ha- are 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 favored in this game, and I think that. We know the winning recipe is there after watching the Broncos game last week. It's just how much can they actually take advantage of this mismatch?
0: They will be favored in three of their next four football games. The only one not being favored will be at Cleveland after the bye week. The Browns will be favored to win that football Mm, game. Sorry, I said a
1: four-game win streak. I forgot about uh, four of five to win four of five. I just thought you thought they were going to
0: beat the Browns. Which would then make it a five-game winning streak. Which would
1: then mean I would because if I say going into the Chargers game, that would mean they would lose to the the Lions, who are at the end of that four-game.
0: Including the Denver game, it's real. It's realistic to believe that the Steelers should win four of their next five football games, with the only loss being at Cleveland. I agree. The day after the bye week on Halloween afternoon. You already got one. You got Denver. Got one in your back pocket. To be quite honest with you. With the Russell Wilson injury, I think you got the hardest one in your back pocket, too. I think that's the better team you're going to see with Russell Wilson being out. Obviously, if Russell Wilson was in there, out of the Seahawks, Lions, Bears, and Broncos, the four winnable games in that five-game stretch, Seattle's probably number one. But with that injury, they probably drop down to one of the most winnable ones, maybe even more winnable than the Bears and the Lions in some ways.
1: I don't know, because that defense is bad, Jacob. We're talking about that defense is so
0: bad. I know. So bad. The Bears uh, and Lions somehow have better defenses than that. Do the Lions do? They, Absolutely. They you know how I know the, the Lions You know how I know the Lions have a better defense? Because they have the worst defense in the league, the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. I should That's give totally them some fair. I should give them some credit though. They're 22nd in points per game allowed, 26 points per game allowed. So they're not so,
1: breaking as much
0: as they bend. They're breaking a good bit. They're There's still 20, breaking 26 a decent amount. A they're still
1: breaking in the bottom third of this NFL season so far. I, I, I agree, Tom. I think you just – this can't – it's so odd to think of the
0: Seattle Seahawks as a trap game. Right, because Sunday night football with Russ coming in – and it's a Super Bowl rematch. I know the only person that's still around from that game is Ben Roethlisberger, but still. On both sides. On, on both sides of the football, coaching staffs <laughs> included as well, team owners, maybe, other than Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, the only people that it. are still sticking around from that Even Kevin on. Colbert wasn't the,
1: the full-time GM at that point.
0: But you get the buzz, you know. Sunday Night Football does a little pregame story about that Super Bowl. They probably show the Heinz Ward catch from Antoine Randall and say, oh, remember when these two teams met back in 2006 and the you know, so, like, you get a little buzz there. It's under the lights. It's Wilson versus Roethlisberger. Two future Hall of Famers going toe-to-toe. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a trap game because it's, like, one of the big premier games on your schedule. It's, but,
1: it's the Sunday Night matchup. But now It's you, the game
0: of the week. Now you shuffle in Geno Smith, and you do wonder if there's an opportunity here for the Steelers to kind of look a little past it. I will say this, though. Mike Tomlin, I think, is the coach that will have these guys, since they started 1-3, and three, Laser focused on every single game that they play because the, the narrative and the message from him has to be, you know, we've really effed around and dug ourselves a pretty decently deep hole here to start the season. Every single game matters, obviously anyway, in the n f l but it's extra important now, boys, that we have our p s and qs all buttoned up every time we enter the stadium, and we don't overlook any opponent and I think the other thing going for them avoiding the trap game is it is still a Sunday night game, so you do know the nation is still going to be watching you, even though Gino's out you there you know the stakes are there exactly. My only qualm with that, Tom, is
1: recently any any argument i have made for Tom of preparing properly for a for a nationally televised game or a December game has been thrown out the window because he has not had the same success he had in the first— What he's
0: been the coach since 07, so this is his 14th, 15th year of the team. Well, let's think back to their last two primetime games. Lost to the Browns in the playoff game, mm-hmm. lost to the Bengals against Ryan Finley on Monday mm-hmm. Night Football.
1: Exactly my point, and those both of those games came in December and January, mm-hmm. so like I'm saying, in the first 12 years of Mike Tomlin's career, Absolutely. If it's a primetime game, if it's a December game, I have all the confidence in the world for Mike Tomlin to amp up his guys and get them properly prepared, not overlooking a single other person on that opposing team's 53-man roster. However, in the last two to three years, we've seen that success Basically evaporate. I mean their record in December is usually what you see their record in September be It's just a complete mirror image of what you're used to at Atama, and same thing for the primetime games He just somehow isn't able to win those games anymore So I understand your logic by saying he's done this in the past where he's been able to emphasize the importance of what it means to play at a primetime spotlight but not in these last couple of years, Tom. So no, yeah. I, I just don't really know if I trust it. I won't trust a win will be there until the fat lady sings. Until and the Steelers z- are walking away. Zero, zero,
0: zero, zero on the scoreboard, time clock, and the Steelers, and the Steelers, Steelers the are up score. on the scoreboard. Then you'll be able to take a deep breath and say, 3 and three, baby, back to 500. until I then, not,
1: I will not give any credit to the Steelers winning this game until it happens.
0: I agree with you that they don't deserve that credit right now after the Bengals and Raiders game because I think after the Bills game I was sitting here and you were sitting there and we weren't flat out saying it but we were feeling like 3 and 0 was going to happen. We were feeling like Raiders win, Bengals win, 3 and 0 heading into lambeau Field where you probably dropped that one but that's okay. And then they lose those two games. So I understand what you're saying now. You don't want to give them that benefit of the doubt because we already kind of did after week one. Mm-hmm. And they've done nothing but just poop all over it since then. So now they get that big win against the Broncos and you're starting to feel it again. You're starting to feel that benefit of the doubt. You're trying to extend it to them. But you got to also remember that even though they looked their best against Denver all year, the uh, defense obviously looked great against Buffalo, but the f- complete package, offense and defense, looked its best against Denver. You still have to remember there's a lot of flaws with this football team, and you have to be wary of them. The only thing, Jacob, that's causing me to just really feel confident about this isn't the way the Steelers played against Denver. It's the I, I really think Seattle is a bad football team that's just stenches covered up by a Hall of Fame quarterback in his prime when he's healthy.
1: Well, I don't know about that. I, I think it's just oh, a tale I of two different teams. Oh, the I defense do. versus the offense is completely different. Well, here's the thing, buddy. With Russell Wilson on the field. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are as deadly
0: as it comes. That's what I'm saying, though. They're only as good as number three. Yes, I I completely agree. When you take him out of the equation, I think Geno's a serviceable backup, but I think there's so many flaws around him. Yes, DK and Tyler Lockett are Probably one of the better one-two punches in the NFL, and they're performing at amazing, amazing rates this year. Five TDs so far for DK. That's one per game, by the way. Three for Tyler Lockett. They both. One aver- of
1: those touchdowns by DK was thrown by Geno Smith on last Thursday night. They both
0: team. average around 15 yards per reception on the year. So those two are, are absolutely eating. They eat up over 50% of the targets from Russell Wilson in the Seahawks passing game. 24%. And some change go to Tyler Lockett and 26% and some change go to DK Metcalf. So it's laser focus on those two guys when it comes to Russell Wilson and, and how he runs the offense. They only snap the ball 54.2 times per game on average. That's the worst in the NFL. They also have the worst time of possession in the NFL at 25 minutes and 8 seconds. So they don't hold on to the ball at all in this Seattle offense. They make that terrible Seattle defense stay on the field almost 20 more times per game, uh, 20 more snaps per game than the offense does. But here's why I say the thing that I say about, I think this is a bad football team all the way around that's covered up by a Hall of Fame quarterback's deodorant. Even though they only snap the ball 54 times, the worst in the NFL, they're eighth in the NFL as far as points per snaps produced is concerned at .44. So they are very efficient, and they're about 76% in the red zone scoring a touchdown once they get in the red zone. So they don't hold onto the ball long and they really only have two legit weapons in Lockett and DK, mm-hmm. but Russell Wilson makes that thing work for them. It's the eighth most efficient offense in the NFL when he's the maestro behind it. I think you crumble that up into a ball and you throw right. that in the trash can when he's out. So I think they're pretty bad and I think we're going to see that without him out there masking a lot of their flaws. And the other thing that's huge is yeah, big him. biggest gripe. I think you'd with say the team. with Wilson in his tenure in okay. Seattle has been the offensive line, right? Yes. Uh, he feels like he's not protected enough. I mean,
1: you you feel like in a in a career Russell Wilson highlight highlight reel, every play starts with him rolling out of the pocket, right? Uh, yeah that's uh, that's the only image I can think of when I think of a Russell Wilson highlight
0: when I see the drama in the off season and him thinking about oh I want out of of Seattle or, or saying they don't help me enough or they don't listen to me it's not because of the skill position players because DK and Tyler Lockett are amazing great pick in the second round to pick DK Metcalf should have never fallen to the second round that's obvious that dude's a top 10 pick any way you slice it but it's been that offensive line and all five of their starting offensive linemen played every snap against the Rams last Thursday, and there's been a lot of continuity with that offensive line in Seattle. But the results are still not the best. They surrender 2.6 sacks per game, and Wilson gets dropped on 8.6 percent of the times that he drops back to pass. So, How do
1: those numbers compare to Ben's?
0: Do you know? Well, the Steelers uh, don't give up that as many sacks as Seattle does. Um, and they're definitely not in the eight point. The eight point six percent is like the second worst in mm-hmm. the NFL as far as Seattle's concerned. Steelers aren't as good as they have been. They're not, you know, top three, top four in the NFL as far as keeping Ben upright. But they're not abysmal at it, and they did a really good job against Denver, as Ben was only sacked once in that game and only hit I think twice. And so. he
1: said that that fumble that he that he had that sack was his own fault.
0: Held onto the ball too. Held onto long.
1: the ball for too long and saved the pocket and should have just gotten rid of it.
0: So he still gets sacked a ton, and it's Russell Wilson's mobility and his savviness that is allowing this offense to be so efficient, even though he's under pressure. Geno Smith can move, no question about that. I don't know if he can move as gracefully as Russell Wilson can in the pocket, and I don't think he's. You know, capable of avoiding the big mistake when pressure's in his face, like Russell Wilson is. So I, I just see this being a disaster for Seattle, not just in the Steeler game, but in the couple weeks ahead that they have without the next, Russell. what is it, six to eight? I think weeks? it's at least a month that they're out, Russell Wilson. So, yeah, I mean, this might, this be might pretty... end the season for them, to be honest. I mean, you're, division, you're in the best division yeah. of
1: football. You, you were able to get a, a key win against the, Seattle, or the San Francisco 49ers just two weeks ago. But... Save your
0: season type of win.
1: Yes, because down the line, when you get Russell Wilson back and you're still floating around 500, you could still maybe sneak, sneak it in, your yeah. way in. And when you play the San Francisco 49ers down the line, hopefully you have Russell Wilson back so that could get you another win that would give you the definitive tiebreaker over the Niners. But this could be the nail in a coffin for the Seattle Seattle team this season, which would be unfortunate because we know how good that division can be when all teams are at full strength, but Tom, I, 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 I hear your concerns with the team overall, but f- the fact that they kept things interesting, I know Russell Wilson didn't go down until the fourth quarter, but they, it was only a nine point game, that final score against the Rams. I think if Russell Wilson stays healthy, that team could win that game. And Geno Smith threw that horrible interception late in the game, uh, and that's something the Seagulls can easily take advantage of. But that was with no expectations of coming into the game. Now he had now he has what thirteen days or something like ten days? Ten days, I think from Thursday night to Sunday night to prepare, knowing that he is going to get the start here. That could help him, that could let him be more aware of that mistake he made. I I, I, I know Tama doesn't like to overlook guys, but this is a season that has a, a very unique aura surrounding it that I just don't know what's going
0: to happen. We'll probably get into Gino a little bit more in depth in a later episode we do, but to kind of put a bow and come full circle on this episode, we started talking about the Steelers running game. The biggest concern that I have with that running game, obviously, running yes, is nothing to do with Najee Harris, obviously, and... With the improvement we're seeing from the offensive line, it's slowly but surely not becoming the offensive line's ability to get push. It's the depth behind Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. And obviously I think their change of pace back and their number one, number two running back, follow me there, number one, number two running back is Anthony McFarlane, Tony Mack. And he's just starting to work his way back. He practiced last week, so the clock— I think— now he's eligible to return
1: He's right? on the practice field yeah.
0: So that clock, that 21 day clock is ticking Where they have to activate him or lose him To IR for the rest of the season uh, I, I think He helps With that running back depth But Benny Snell got the opportunity At the start of the season With McFarland's injuries uh, Even though Snell spent the majority Of the preseason injured, Still was extended that benefit of the doubt uh, I, I don't think it's Harsh to say that he's been pretty disappointing uh, holding call on special teams against no, I don't the Broncos. Think it's harsh at all. a drop in the flat that would have at least gone for five to ten yards if he, you know takes a defender for a ride. At the very least it goes for five yards that he just drops. Ben put it right in his hands, goes right through his hands. He was benched in that first half because of that you started to see some Kalen Balaj action whenever Najee Harris needed a spell. Uh, it's clear that Snell and Balaj just aren't going to be able to get the job done behind an offensive line like that. Najee Harris can make a lot of things happen because he's just a different breed than those two guys. McFarlane's obviously not the same breed as Najee Harris, but I think he is better than Snell and Balaj right now in his career, and I think he's shiftier and he's got more agility that he can dodge raindrops in the backfield and make a loss into a two, three-yard gain. Not to the same you know, degree as Najee, where Najee does that almost every play, but every once in a while. I think people are a little worried about the running back depth, and I'm kind of sitting here just saying the second-string running back hasn't been healthy yet. So let's see a couple games with McFarland in the fold, and if they're still— you know, spelling Najee for a couple of downs and they're not getting any traction on the ground or they're fumbling the football, the backups, then we can start to panic a little yes. bit for people behind Najee. But let's, let's wait until after the bye. I think you'll see McFarlane play against the Browns in his first game of the year. And then let's talk about the running back depth then.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. However... I don't want to be too harsh on Anthony McFarlane. I just think you put any of these guys next to Najee Harris, and it's gonna look bad.
0: Well, I see. You, you I don't see, you think, don't I be- don't
1: think it's necessarily there. I mean, Benny Snell has made his mistakes. Right, drop passes in back-to-back games, holding penalty this past week on special teams. I do think Benny Snell, out of your three backups, should be number four. I don't know why he's number two. But I guess because of familiarity with the with the team and with and with the with the with the playbook, that's probably why. I think Kalen Bolaj is better. I think Tony Mack is better. I just think no matter who you put up against Najee Harris, they're not going to look great.
0: Of course not, and you're saying you don't want to be harsh on Anthony McFarlane well, And I, I don't want to put too much expectations on the young man's plate because that's fair. Trying to paint him into this guy that's going to spell Najee and still run for 30 40 yards a game. That's just not the way it's going to go. Uh, the Steelers have pretty much illustrated that Najee Harris is is never going to come off the field uh, for this offense. He has been out there for 280 of a possible 322 Steelers offensive snaps, so he never leaves the field. When I'm talking about a a running back depth as long as he's healthy, I just mean someone that's serviceable Mm -hmm. for those few and far between snaps that he has to come out. And, of course, you saw in the Denver game he dealt with cramps down the stretch. Couldn't be available for the team to ice down the game. They They were working on him like crazy on the sidelines, trying to loosen up that cramp, but it just was not to be. And you're left with Snell trying to ice the game and he falls an inch short of the first down marker and you have that drama at the end of the game that you might not have if Najee Harris is out there and getting that first down. Another thing about Najee that is just so valuable that none of the backups can bring to the table except for maybe Anthony McFarland is his ability in the pass-catching game. Mm -hmm. And his ability. McFarland's ability to run the Canada offense is also underrated because he ran it at... Maryland, whenever Canada was the interim head coach for him. So he's familiar with that offensive scheme and he's a good pass catching running back, something that Najee excels at. In fact, Najee Harris has gone out on a route on 76% of the times that Ben (laughs) Roethlisberger has dropped back to pass. That is the highest percentage in the league for a running back. Number two is Alvin Kamara, who is established as probably the best pass catching running back in the NFL right now. 71% of the time he runs a route. No one. Other than Kamara and Harris, are over seventy percent of the time.
1: And the situation is somewhat you similar in New Orleans as it is in Pittsburgh because the Saints are without their franchise quarterback Drew Brees. They're they're learning what they are exactly with Jameis Winston at quarterback. Kind of similar here because Ben Roethlisberger uh, again, I don't want to be too harsh on the guys, but a little bit of a shell of his older his younger self, and so. You need to get someone like Kamara involved. You need to get someone like Najee Harris involved. So it shouldn't be any shock that those two guys lead the league in that category.
0: No, that's the easiest way to help out not just a young quarterback that's breaking into the league, but an aging one that's trying to leave gracefully. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just have them go out there and be Aaron Rodgers when they're 40, 41 years old. I mean, even Tom Brady, who is slinging it at an ungodly rate right now, and of course, is at a better place in his game than Ben is. He needs a lot of help out there. He needs a lot he of help lot of to help. be able to play at that level. Not only- Look at the last time he didn't have an all-star squad around him. He's thrown a pick six against the Titans and losing in the wild card round just because he had to do everything for that Patriots team. So his biggest gripe was you're not putting the all-stars around me that I need. I'm, I'm not... 30 year old Tom anymore I can't be the band-aid that I once was I need some studs around me I need my Gronk I need some ABs I need some Mike Evanses I, not need, only... I need some playmakers I need a running game two not... punishing backs and Jones and Fournette and he goes to Tampa and he gets that and he's looking like the best quarterback in the league still
1: not only is it necessary to use Najee Harris for that purpose but it's also because he's capable right you're saying Tom Brady needed the weapons around him and that's why he left for Tampa Bay. I think that Najee Harris, yes, is a weapon, but he's also probably, I would say, already the second best pass catching running back in the league, only behind Alvin
0: Kamara. And he might be better than Alvin Kamara already. I don't know about that. Who's to say? I don't know about that. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thank you, as always, for giving us a listen. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Otferman, and we will talk to you guys the next time we sit down and do another edition of the Steelers Standard.